the third period of humanity. Jesus himself confirms these different eras. Uh, so in Matthew 11, verses 11 to 13, let's, let's go there. Matthew 11, 11 through 13. Jesus tells us about these divisions and confirms that each period of revelation was greater than the previous. Matthew 11, 11. See what it says. As surely I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Wow, that's a very powerful scripture. Verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. So the question is, what made John Baptist the greater? Only one very important thing makes John greater. What is that? John had a greater revelation of the word made flesh. That's the key. He had a greater revelation. In John's era, he was closer to the appearance of Jesus than Moses. In fact, it was John that introduced to us the ministry of Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. John 1.29. It was Moses. It was, it was John. So, he had a clearer understanding of who Christ was than any person who came before him, including Moses. That's why Jesus said he's greater. Beyond this, Christ says those who are least in the kingdom of heaven are greater than John the Baptist. So John, at best, knew Jesus was coming, pointed to him. But you and I, who are now in the kingdom of God, not only see him coming, we're in him. And that's why he's saying to us that the least in the kingdom of God now is greater than even John the Baptist. Because John did not get a chance to be in Christ. He had a chance to announce his coming, but never got in him. But you and I not only heard the announcement, we are now in Christ and Christ is in us. And so on that basis, we are greater than the John the Baptist. So what a powerful and unexpected, unexpected statement from Jesus. Amen? So what makes those believers in kingdom greater than the greatest of the Old Testament? Exactly the same thing as before. Even the, even the humblest believer in Christ's kingdom has a clearer understanding of Christ than John the Baptist. The covenant you and I have now was not available to the Old Testament righteous persons. It just wasn't. Believers today have status with God as his children that none of the Old Testament's righteous men and women ever had. At best, they were only God's servants and never referred to as children. True Christians are God's beloved children through faith. John 1, 12. He came to his own and his own rejected him. But to as many as uh, received him to them, he gave the power to become the children of God, even to those that believe on his name. So we, by believing, became children of God. That's something the Old Testament righteous person never had the privilege of. Amen? Okay. Uh, let me just jump here. Uh, on the top of my page here, I say the law of Moses does not apply to everyone. Can you guys find that? The law of Moses does not apply to everyone. 
This may seem rather obvious, but some are confused on this point. They think that the law of Moses applies to everyone. That's not true. This was the same thing the early church in Acts 15 had to contend with. They had to resolve this. The early church had to decide whether or not Gentile believers should keep the law of Moses. Acts chapter 15. Give me Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Can you believe that? This is after the day of Pentecost. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. Verse 3 so being sent out of their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. Verse 4, and when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. Verse 5, but some of the sect of the Pharisees, there we go again, the Pharisees, <laughs> the special ones, who believed, rose up, saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now, it's amazing that 2,000 years ago, we had this, this, the church in Jerusalem had to deal with this issue. And we're still dealing with it now. Now, of course, there's no one in the church today that will come out and say it as clearly as this. I don't think there's anybody that says today that you have to keep the law of Moses. I don't think they say it in those explicit terms. But in terms of everything else we do and say, we're saying the same thing. We're still telling people, if you don't do this, if you don't do that, if you don't be this, if you don't be that, you cannot be right with God. Basically, we're still saying it. There was a serious point of contention in the church in Acts 15. And they had to come to the headquarters and hash it out. Because there were certain people that said, you cannot be saved except you keep, love, keep the law of Moses. We have denominations today that say similar things. Are you guys familiar with that? If you don't wear a certain dress as a woman, you cannot be a part of the church. If you don't do your hair in a particular way, you can be in part of the church. I've gone to churches in Africa where women sit on one side of the side of the building and men on the other side. In church. Husband and wife come to a church building and they are separated in the church sanctuary. Can you believe that? In the name of God. There are certain places where a man can sit, where a woman cannot sit. In the name of God. How are we different from what's happening here? You experienced it? First star? First square? First square does that? Wow. That is interesting. Are you sure that they don't do that any longer? I hope not. Are you familiar with first square? Huh? My own was tougher than first. Oh, really? 
Tell me about your own. <laughs> which, 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 who, are we, who are you with? To get married. You will have to take it to a committee who would look at your shoe, place it on a slate, and see how I am. That's one. Number two. No, are you serious? Absolutely. I was there 10 years. <laughs> Your shoe, you take a sample of your shoe. Especially for the ladies, because they know that man, there is no way, man will, why man will not wear ready. Uh, yeah, high, yes. But that, for ladies, no. You, you, the heel, they will put it on a, on a slate and then look at it physically. And then they pass it or they say no. Then your, your head, you cannot wear your skin. Okay. So then you wear... oh, okay. Well, is this for a woman or a woman? For a, for a man. The man cannot wear long sleeve. Cufflinks. Oh, a tight clip. And I was, of course, so what happened? They said there, yeah, I was wearing gold. I said, what? <laughs> no, that this is a tight clip. Like, it's not gold, it's just golding and gold plating. They said there's no difference between the two. And that was So, what is their problem with gold? What is the problem with gold? Exactly. Because what consecration God is requiring from this person for a certain assignment should not 
not be transferred to every member of that church. Exactly. Even in the Bible days, yes. there were people that were called into the Nazarite order. Yes. And everybody then, some were Levites, some yeah. were this, some were that. Not everybody was called into the Nazarite order. Exactly. So if God in his wisdom decided to pick one or two many people in the whole nation, you go for Nazarite, everybody in that nation must not become a Nazarite before they become accepted. Amen. <laughs> wow. Do you, do you guys see this? It's, it's unbelievable. So the lady will have to bring the shoe and they measure the heel. And the gown. On the dress. On the wedding dress. Why is that? It's worldly. Deeper life. Yes, sir. I was here 
And he came to Ibadan City, and uh, that was about five years ago, and he told them that so many things I told you were my conviction, hey. not because God said so. Oh, wow. And physically prostrated and apologized. Ah! Praise God. I thank God for that. Exactly. Yes. Yes. you're making that I think we all need to hear. Yeah. When he started correcting the mistakes, yes, you heard what the people said? Yeah. The old is better than the new. Yeah. The old is better than the new. Yeah. In other words, they did not give heed to the correction. Instead, they said you are backsliding. Yeah. Yeah. Because the people are already set yeah. in the old, those old ways. Man! That is scary. And that's just one example. And the truth of the matter is, ah, all of us need to be careful. Because those, those are very glaring uh, rules and everything. But all of our churches have the, our little pet peeves, the little things that may not... Okay, so for instance, I, I had lunch with uh, Jamal uh, on Thursday. And we started talking about this issue of same sex. And he said to me, he said, Pastor, the truth of the matter is that in his church, people don't have to be born again to, to serve in certain roles. I said, what? He said, for instance, as an usher, he uses people that are not born again. Now, I never thought about that for a minute. And he said, why not? He said they're working, they're, they're, they're not born again, and they're functioning whereas, where, everywhere where they are. He said, what difference does it make if they're in a church and they're usher? I never thought about it. You know what an usher is? It's someone that just tells you where to sit and, uh, you know, give you communion emblems. How much Holy Ghost does it take to tell you this is your chair, sit down in the chair? I never thought about it. But in our churches, yeah. immediately, you must be a member. You must have been able to. We, we have 19 rules. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not saying the guy said that to me. And I, I never thought about it until he said it. I, I, 
Papa. Even myself may not pass it. So it shows us how easy it is for us to just because of our environment, our traditions, where we came from, to begin to put things in place that God never asked us to do. Yeah. So I, I see you're standing like a soldier. What does that mean? I'm just trying to find out what we are, you are over there, you came over here. What, what's, what's, what? What's, they're ready for lunch. Okay, all right, just, just say it. I mean, I, I can't read. <laughs> I do have a translation machine in the back of my head. <laughs> all right. <laughs> they say, are, they, are, they, are we coming out or they bring? He's coming. No, we're okay, so it's lunchtime. Anybody can just pray over the lunch on? Oh, okay. All right. So we ended up uh, at lunch talking about Acts chapter 15. Uh, the issue in the church there where the certain men from Judea came in and started telling them that except you be circumcised and keep the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Uh, so let's go to Acts chapter 15 from verse 7 through 11. Acts 15 7 through 11. Okay. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago, God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So, God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Isn't that amazing? But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. So as leaders, I just want us to be very cognizant and just be careful to know not to put things out there that God is not saying. Not because of our tradition, not because of our training, not because of... We just have to be careful. Let's just, uh, let's, let's just look at some, of, some uh, examples in the book of Acts here. Uh, go back with me to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, um, for verse 26. Let's look at, look at a few things and then we're going to look at this table. Acts 8, 26. Now, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise, go to the 
toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. Now, context. Philip is in Samaria. He's preaching. Things are happening. Revival is taking place. And in the midst of that revival, God said, leave. Go, go to the desert in the south. Now, you and I read that today. And we just read it as, at face value. How much sensitivity must Philip have to know that God just told him to lead the driver? How many of us in a meeting where it looks like everything is happening, do you hear a voice like this and you don't bind that voice and say, Satan, get out of here? Because everything you are hearing now is contrary to what we've been trained and used to doing. Now, I bring this out again to help you understand the role of the Holy Spirit in the dispensation of grace. I cannot say that enough. The only person who gives to you and I, who tells us, guides us, leads us, teaches us, shows us what Jesus is saying and doing now, is the Holy Spirit. So if you and I don't take the time to cultivate the habit or the relationship with the Holy Spirit, we're going to be lacking. Philip is having a great time. And the Holy Ghost said, Leave the meeting. Go down to the south. In the desert. Who lives in the desert? No one. Now, can you imagine the battles in his head? Go to Sahara Desert. There's nothing but rocks and shrub. In the, I mean, what am I going to go to in the desert? This must not be God. Satan abound you in Jesus' name. That would have been an order. But this guy who was an ordinary believer. He's not an apostle. Philip was just like regular John Doe in the church. The only distinction is he had an ear of the Spirit. And he went. I, I, listen, I can't emphasize that enough. You and I are going to be called in the situation, circumstance, places to do things no one has ever done. Ah, no, 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 you didn't hear me. I'm looking at pioneers in this room. Pioneers of all kinds of things. Where are you going to hear a voice and what God is saying to you? You can't even cross-check with anybody. Why? Nobody has ever done it. So whoever you're going to cross-check with, they have never done it before. They can't tell you anything about it. Who was Philip going to ask, what do I going to go do in the desert? If you ask that question, that will shut down that move. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? If you don't hear anything else, I'm telling us we need to press in to the Holy Spirit. That is the, that is, that is the ultimate, in fact, no, not ultimate, is the only resource available to us now. The only resource. I'm going to let you, Ganiu, I'm going to let you share what you shared with me a minute ago, later on, to make this point. Because for all of us, we must understand it. This issue of the Holy Spirit. The way we got into Southeast Asia is the same way. And people ask me, what are you doing in Thailand? What are you doing in Vietnam? What are you doing in Burma? Do I know anybody there? No. Am I from Asia? No. It's obvious. <laughs> But I have never been as fulfilled either as I am every time we go. I mean, hey, chief has been there. 
So it's bishop. I mean, it's, it's the most incredible thing that happens when we go to that place. But all because God spoke, we heard, and we heeded. Let's read on. Verse 27. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a Enoch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. Oh my goodness. I can just park right there for a minute. Why would God give us all these details about this Enoch? Look at all the details in one verse. Number one is an Ethiopian. So this guy came from a place where the gospel has never been preached. You didn't hear me? The gospel has never been preached in Ethiopia up to this point, at this point in this time. That's number one. Number two, is a man of great authority, or if you want, influence. So if God is going to reach a nation, if going to reach a place for the first time, he needs a man of peace, a man, a woman of peace, a man of influence. And beyond that, this guy had the charge of the treasury. Ha, ha, ha. This guy had serious charge of serious treasury. Money! Don't you know that the money we lack right now in ministry is out there on the street? They are not born again yet. Men and women that's not born again is carrying our money in their pockets all over the place because we've not gone to get them yet. All the money we need to finance the gospel is on the streets. But not only that, this guy actually came to Jerusalem. He had heard something. And for some reason, he said, let me, let me go check out this dear God. He came to a church. But he did not find God in the church. And was going away from church empty. Because Jerusalem at this time, they were not doing what God wanted them to do. They were busy just having good time. Like we do in our church services every Sunday. So God shut down Samaria. Say, Philip, hey, Philip, 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 Philip. Resource is living. Resource. Influence is living. Go out to the desert and catch him. So he was returning from Jerusalem and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. The spirit said to Philip, again, yeah, you see that? First the spirit told him to leave and go. Now the spirit says to him again, second instruction, Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. I cannot emphasize the place of the Spirit enough. So Philip ran to him and heard him. Now, let, let, let me ask you, what are the chances of a human being running and, and overtaking a chariot? Have you ever seen a chariot before? <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I'm sure many of us have we've seen the, ten, uh, the movie, The Ten Commandments, with Moses. I mean, you know how fast those chariots are? He could have said to the Holy Spirit, me, overtake a shout-out? I'm not an athlete, I can't run, I'm not, uh, what's this guy's name? The guy, the uh, Jamaican guy, uh, Usain Bolt. I'm not Usain Hey, look at me, am I Usain Bolt? Are you kidding me? I'm not the fastest man in the world. He could have all kinds of arguments. He started moving and he overtook the chariot. 
and he heard him reading Isaiah. And he says, do you understand what you are reading? And that's the question. The world is reading all kinds of things about the church. They have no understanding. Who is going to help them? <coughs> let's, let's read that. Oh, okay. So, and he said, how can I? Unless someone guides me. And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? Let's read on. So the Enoch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? Look at, look at the innocence of this guy. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the inner said, here is water. I mean, can you see this? Philip was not even thinking about it. The guy said, Philip, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Thank God this guy has not read Ghanaian's book about the baptism requirement. <laughs> he said, what hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, wait, look at that simple confession. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Please, can anybody tell me the way he confesses sins? Can anybody find that? I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Bim! All baptized. Now, the reason I'm bringing this out to you if you remember when we started this morning, we talked about John 3, 16 and 17. Remember? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe on him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. And I said to you, that he didn't say whoever stopped sinning. The only criteria for going to heaven is believing. And the only criteria for going to hell is unbelief. <laughs> I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. End of story. Now, listen, listen, listen. Okay, let me unpack that. If you believe the manifestation of the righteousness of believing, you abstain from sin. You abstain. Just as believing is the root that leads to holiness, Unbelief is also the root that leads to all kinds of manifestation of sinfulness. So if a man or a woman is committing sins, the issue is not the manifestation that we see. The issue is the root of what's causing the sin. That's how you fix it. You'll be chasing shadows, fixing fornication, adultery, blah, 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 blah. You'll be chasing shadows. Get to the root. The unbelief that's causing it. Oh, okay, you guys are looking at me for let, 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 let me give an example. Sodom and Gomorrah. What was the reason for their destruction? The common teaching in the church is immorality. Is that not correct? Yes. 
They said, ah, so then I'm going out. They're all queers and gays and all this. Nonsense. And God destroyed them. Really? No, that's not the reason. That's not the reason. Ezekiel chapter 16 makes that clear. Ah, okay. Let me find it. You see, we, we, Ezekiel, we, let, let me find it first. Because uh, we should not be, for the most part in the church, we are treating symptoms. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 16. Good. Verse 49. Ezekiel 16, 49. Isaiah 16, 48. Let's start for 48. 48. Give me 48. Thank you. As I live, says the Lord God, neither your sister Sodom, you remember Sodom? Nor, your, nor her daughters have done as you and your daughters have done. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had what? Oh, I thought they were all sodomites. Uh -uh. Fullness of food. They were so wealthy. They ate all kinds of delicacies. Sushi and uh, uh, crab. I mean, these guys had so much wealth. They ate special meals. I mean, special stuff. Pride. Didn't Solomon warn us that pride is the, uh, uh, how did they say it? The, uh, uh, oh, what's the word? About the leading to a destruction? Exactly. Full of food. Abundance of idleness. Ten hours on social media. Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. Can anybody here find anything for me that says homosexuality? No. This is the point. These issues are what manifested itself in homosexuality. So if you are dealing and looking to resolve homosexuality, you've not addressed the pride. The wealth, how they spend their wealth, the idleness, what they do when they're idle, and the fact that they're not ministering to the poor or the needy, you're wasting your time. So, for the most part, we are fixing symptoms, not root. So, whenever anybody's caught in a sin or in any kind of act that's evil or wicked, we should be asking ourselves in which area have they stopped believing God? Or what lie about God have they believed? That's the, that's, that's the solution. You fix the lie, the problem goes away. Just that simple. So, for the Ethiopian Enoch, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. End of story. Bang. Born again. Baptized. Over. Gospel reached Africa for the first time by that one act. Amen? Acts chapter 9. 
Acts chapter 9. Uh, wow, this is too, too, too many verses. I'm trying to see. This is Paul's conversion. Verse 4. Okay, verse 3. Acts 9, 3. Acts 9.3. As he journeyed, came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling, astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. Verse 7. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but not seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one, but they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. Verse 9, and he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Question, when did he get born again? This man wrote two-thirds of the Bible. When, where's his confession? Okay, maybe I should ask, is Paul born again? Yes. <laughs> you see, because I'm saying this to us, unless we overhaul the way we are thinking, we will, we will rope out the Holy Spirit and we will marginalize everything God wants to do because of our narrow tunnel thinking of how church should run. Where did Paul get born again? Because by our standard, it's not come to the altar. And it definitely does not speak the words we are normally familiar with speaking. He did not even say what Enoch said. At least Enoch says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Paul didn't say it. And yet, he became a foremost apostle of, of the Lamb. Listen, I'm just trying to say to us, we have to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's not about laws. It's not about rules. It's not about regulation. And that's why last night when that lady asked the question, uh, my friend is homosexual. She's asked me to come to a wedding. Shall I go or not go? I can't give her an answer. I'm not the Holy Ghost. For each situation, it's different. And we have to place that responsibility on the Holy Spirit, what shall I do? Yeah. Because we are not under the law. See, that's the thing about the law. It's rigid. And the, the law, there is no faith in the law. That's, that's the problem. You don't need faith. In fact, that's the big issue with tithe. Man, I get back on this tithe thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> there is no faith. I earn $100, my tithe is 10%. I don't have to think. I don't have to ask God. There is no faith in it. $10 out of $100, that's what I give to you, God. No faith whatsoever. That's the law. How much faith does it take to drive 60 miles an hour when it's really busy 60 miles an hour? There's no faith. It's just a simple written rule that you're following in route. It does not allow the Holy Spirit room to see anything else. Because as, as creatures, we just, we narrow in our thinking as far as that goes. 
So we have to be careful. If you're going to operate under grace, you must be totally open to the Holy Spirit. And you must understand that people are likely to misunderstand what you're doing or saying. If you can't do that, you, don't, you go back to the law. Because it's, it's safer. It's safer as far as that goes. It's not the right thing to do, but I'm just telling you, if you're going to walk under the gospel of grace, you must be totally open to whatever it is God wants to do. And understand that people are going to misunderstand you. And mis- I mean, man, Pastor Dollar will be here tomorrow morning. I tell you, some of the stories he's told me, I have to really, really honor that man. He moves in some circles where for the last seven years, he goes there to preach. And he knows that those men in the front line that sit on the front row in those services, they hate his guts. They don't want to hear this gospel of grace. And year after year after year after year, he goes back. And he knows that once he finishes preaching and sits down, the next speaker will get up and dismantle everything he said. So I asked him, I said, why do you keep on going back? You know, you, you know exactly what they're going to say. And he said to me, he goes back in honor of Pastor, not Pastor, Brother Copeland. And so finally, I think this last year, Copeland had to, get those, he had to pull those guys in order. He had to call them to order. And told them that they are, they are wrong and they are out of the will of God or something like that. Wow. He finally had to do it. But for seven years, in that kind of platform, year after year after year, and, and you see, for me and you, for some of us, when we get on that platform, huge platform, we play to the gallery. Yeah. We know the crowd, and we know what they want to hear, and we just give them what they want to hear. It's safe. It's safe. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. And because of that, God is able to commit more to him. God is able to trust him with the grace and with the message because God knows he will preach what he's given him to do. Now, it's not easy to do that. It's not easy to do that at all. Yeah, there are some places that I will not go because I don't have his courage. Let me explain what I mean by that. There are some places I will not go. I will not even bother going at all because I don't want to go there and, and ruffle the feathers and create the, all the turmoil and having to get a bodyguard to get out of there. So rather than fool with it, I just say, no, I'm not coming. Yeah. But if God tells him to go, he goes. Delivers the message, even when he knows that he's in the lion's den. And these are fellow believers. <laughs> these are fellow believers. Yeah. It is tough. But the point is, you and I must be so focused in recognizing that the unique resource we have is the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And be willing to yield to that. So next chapter, Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Uh, verse 9. Let's start from verse 9. The next day, as they went, out, went on on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. 
Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And so heaven opened and he dropped an object like a great sheet, bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and the birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill, and eat. But Peter said, No, not so, Lord. For I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Can you imagine this? <laughs> verse 16. Uh, yeah, verse 16. This was done three times. And the object was taken up into heaven again. I mean, can you imagine? Three times God is trying to get across to this apostle. Come on, man. Eat. He said, no, ne- no way, no way. I, w- I won't do it. Now, while Peter wondered himself, wondered within himself, what decision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked, Simon, asked whether Simon, whose son was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking. I mean, do you see the act of the Holy Spirit? And so the question I ask myself, is God still able to do these things today? Absolutely. 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 Arise therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing. For I have sent them. I mean, God told Peter, this Peter said, listen, I'm the one that sent them. Go to them and, 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 and go with them. Then Peter went down to the man who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, yes, I'm he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear the words from you. So this is the key. Even though God could have preached the message to Cornelius, he still wants to employ us in that message, in that mission. I mean, it's God told the man, send somebody to go and get Peter. Could, could that angel not have preached gospel to him? Yeah, but it's not, their, it's not their place. God still needs us. He wants us. He wants us to partner with him in this good enterprise. So let's just jump. Let's just jump. Let's just jump to, to uh, uh, verse 44. Acts 10 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Question When did they get born again? When? They were, I mean, the guy was still preaching. And while he was still speaking, bang. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. They never reckoned that that could happen. So I'm saying to us, give room. For the Holy Spirit. This is his dispensation. It's a new day. To the degree that you have an anticipation and expectation that God is going to move and speak, to that degree you're going to see the manifestation. 
But when you think you got it all sewn up, you know everything that needs to be known about the situation, you're going to miss out on it. Please, tell me what just happened. Because now, during lunch, I just pulled him aside. I wanted, because he told, he told, us, he told me and uh, Jerry and Marilyn some things on, on Monday night that I just want to get some details. Uh, okay, let, let me just give you context. Uh, Dr. Adewale, um, where do you want to start? I don't want to go into a long story. Yeah. I, I don't know where to start. Huh? Yeah, I don't know where to start. But, but I, wanted, I just wanted to get to that part you just shared with me. It, it, what just happened a few days ago. Uh, because that's a, a, that's a clear demonstration of what I'm talking about, about, the, about what the Holy Spirit does. Uh, okay, just let, let me just leave it to you. And if there's anything I need to fill in, I'll fill it in. But, uh, but yeah. Right. But Praise please. God. Yes. Getting to that point, last year, early, I was here. And then I attended uh, the wedding of uh, Bishop. I mean, Bishop's uh, daughter. When preparing for it, I told him, and I told uh, Father that I want to surprise him. He now said, in America, you don't do a surprise visit <laughs> because they already have the list of the people and they have to prepare for them lest you surprise yourself. Let him know. And if you don't want to tell him, I will tell him myself that I do only will be coming. <laughs> so I got the message. Not, God just told me, go there. I prayed for the hotel, did all of that. I got to that place. That same day when you were doing the program, a man of God walked up to me and he said, Pastor, you look like somebody who came with uh, the president of Nigeria. I said, myself? He said, yes. He shook me. He said, you look are you not the person you follow Shibaju? I said, no, that I'm a pastor. And that was how the relationship started. So he collected my number. I collected his own. We met on Facebook. And I was commenting on it. On this trip, when coming, God told me, he said, take your certificate from primary to PhD. Pack everything together. And I was wondering. <laughs> my wife said, you can't go with this thing. You will lose everything. I said, listen to me. Am I, if I lose it, am I using it to look for a job? Let me just go with it. This is the order. Because she's the one keeping all those things. Eventually, she released it, and I came. I came in May on the 4th. As I arrived, he came to pick me at the airport. He said, God told them that they should get me a car. That Adewale is coming, and he will need this car in this land. And I was wondering, if I'm not going to stay here, why would they buy a car for me? And that was went. Right there, I started communicating with that man. I saw his program in Maryland. And I decided, let me go and greet. Let me attend this meeting because of the title. I've been preaching. Let somebody preach to me. As I got there, he now saw me. Oh, man of God. Oh, you were the one I saw at Bishop's? I said, yes. That, he said, God does put in my mind that you should preach tonight. I said, I just came to hear the word of God. He said, no, you are preaching tonight. He said, you see these other two men of God? I invited them to preach, but God is telling me you will preach tonight. And that was what happened. So I preached, and to come long through this church, he didn't invite me. 
It was me that said, let me go for that conference. And that was it. It was there. He now said, Pastor, something is telling me that your ministry is here. I said, well, I knew. Five years ago, God told me, when so-so time, I will be in America. He said, but this is just a few months to the time. I said, yes. He said, can we do something now? I said, what is it? He said, can you work with any organization? I said, I'm working for the kingdom, not for my name, not the extension of my name, not the extension of the ministry there. Any platform that is godly, no problem. And that was it. When eventually those people got me in and all of that, they did the filing and we are on it. But the, the people saw the way I was working. They said, Pastor, look for accommodation over there. And uh, we started checking online. But you know when you go online, they will ask you for this social security number, that number, and I said, listen, all these things they are asking for, I don't have them. They said, I should have three credits used for two years. I've, not, I've been coming, but no, I have just one. They said, they need that. It's okay. I now told them, I said, stop checking. Let me go to God and see what will happen. I just went, locked myself up, talking to God. Father, just have your way. And right there, God spoke to me. He said, go to the dollar shop. Meet the man at the dollar shop. Tell him that you need accommodation. I look at my time, 6 p.m. And I wanted to break fast. He said, if you break, don't break, just go. So when I got there, I look at the man. He said, oh, how can I help you? I said, um, I was directed to you. <laughs> he said, directed to me? He said, who sent you? He said, what was the problem? I said, well, I need accommodation, and I was asked to come and meet you that you will have. He said, um, do I know the person? I said, well, he's the Holy Spirit. He said, Holy Spirit. I said, yes. He said, how do you mean? I said, I'm a pastor. I was posted to this land, and I need accommodation. He said, but who now directed you here? That I, had, I said, I was praying. God told me to come and meet you, that you, will, you have somebody, or you know somebody. You saw that. He said, wow. He said, well, what type of accommodation are you looking for? I said, well, for now, my families are not here. I just need two-bedroom apartment. He said, there is two-bedroom apartment up here. On he top said, of the store? On the, on the top of the store. Okay. He said, Up, upstairs. He said, but um, what do we do? He said, let me go. And let's go together to the owner of these properties, several properties. And when we got there, the man was not around. They called. And he called the man and said, my good friend, a nice man, uh, he has not met me before, a good man, <laughs> a wonderful man, whom I wish we should put in that place is here. Uh, please, would you allow him to check the place? The man said, the place will be ready on I mean, by the end of July, that by August, let him go in. How much? He said, 900. And when he told me, I said, oh, fine, that'll be good. The day the man now said we should meet, I was talking to somebody, a Bangladeshi person on phone. I was, we were chatting. And this guy came in. He said, oh, I learned that uh, you want, I said, yes. He said, sorry for keeping you waiting. I said, no, no, no problem. He said, where are you from? I said, well, I'm from Africa, precisely Nigeria. He said, oh, that's good. He said, uh, I said, and you, where are you from? He said, I'm, a, I'm from Bangladesh. I said, wait a minute. I said, I'm just discussing with somebody from Bangladesh here. He's a friend. He said, how do you know him? He said, oh, I said, he's been my friend for a while. He said, okay. He said, what do you do? He said, they told me that you said somebody sent you here. I said, it's not somebody. It's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he said, so you are a pastor? He said, yes. He said, okay. Ah, he said, and you know my friend? I don't even know who the person is. I said, yes. He said, okay, you will not pay 
900. And he brought the thing down. Wow. He said, for you, that is what we're going to pay. So he now said, but they say you said somebody sent you. I said, it's not somebody. I said, Holy Ghost sent me here. And that was how God did it. So I got the accommodation. I moved in. How much now? From 900 to what? From 900 to 750. He said, can you pay two months? I said, yes. So I just called the church. The church said, oh, that's okay. They said, I said, I'll come tomorrow. They said, no, your check is ready. Come and pick it right now. From Bridgeport to, I have to travel, pick it that day, and went to give it to the man the next day. And my landlord started calling me boss. Boss. My boss, you're welcome. He's an elderly person. But when you're a child of God and grace is working for you, that's what happened. Amen. So I want to thank God for, for that. Praise God. Amen. I just heard about that today, just this afternoon. And I just wanted him to share that because of, because of the reality of the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's, how, that's what we've been talking about. It is so real. Now, others of us may have been intimidated. How do I go to an unknown place and ask someone that I don't know and look foolish when I'm saying to him that somebody sent me to come and ask about accommodation. And you might just look foolish. It's true. But how about if you don't look foolish? How about if it's God dealing with you and talking to the other person? Things happen. Things that will otherwise not happen if we don't put ourselves out there. Really, this is the point. In order to be used of God, you and I must be willing to become vulnerable. 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 I mean, you just shared it with I said, man, this is, this, it's, it's crazy. But it's real. It's real. You will never know if it's not God or if it's God if you don't move. You have to be willing to become vulnerable. And then you're going to see hand of God move. Amen? Good. Let's move on. Everybody has this chart. Okay, let's just look quickly. What time is 3 for the Oh, wow. Using 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's just read it for a little bit. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 3 very quickly, and then we're going to come to the chart to help us make the distinction. That's a very good testimony. Yep. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's start from... Uh, Verse 4. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who has also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. All of us. Not of the letter. You see that? What's the letter referring to? Ten Commandments. The law that's written on the tablets. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, can anybody not convince Adewale that God does not speak? You can't. 
you may not believe it. You may say it's ridiculous. You may say it's crazy. But he has enjoyed the privilege of hearing God move, speak. He's seen the manifestation. He's not going back. Verse 7. Now, now we're going to start seeing the contrast between the law and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and grace and the spirit now. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious. So what is the ministry of death? Absolutely. 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 If it was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. That's an amazing thing. Even though it was glorious and, and radiant, they did not understand that what they were seeing was actually passing away. It was a dying glory. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation, so now we've seen the ministry called twice, different names now. First, it's called the ministry of death. Now it's been called the what? Ministry of condemnation. If the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Aren't you, isn't it wonderful that God is speaking to you? You don't have to go find Moses first. You don't have to go find a Moses. You don't have to go to Rome and speak to the Pope and say, Pope, and no, you have direct access. That's what's available to everybody under this dispensation. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Okay, let's let's now look into our notes. So here we have a table that uses 2 Corinthians chapter 3 to show a contrast and a comparison between the Old Covenant and the New. So on the left-hand side, you have the Old Covenant, and on the right-hand side, you have the New. So number one in the Old, Moses as minister. We see that in the reference we just read. John 1, 17, for the Lord came through Moses, and then, of course, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 13 and 15, we didn't quite get there and I read it. The new covenant, Jesus' the disciples as ministers. Jesus' disciples as ministers. We saw that. We are all sufficient ministers of the new covenant. Not just the apostles or pastors or teachers or evangelists. All of us. So under the dispensation of grace, every believer is a minister. Number two. Under the old covenant, it is a covenant of the letter. How many of you know that anything that's written can be erased? On the old new covenant, it's a covenant of the spirit. Number three, the next one, it's a covenant which kills. It brings death. What did God say to Adam in Genesis? as a result of eating that uh, knowledge of uh, uh, good and evil, 
in a day that thou eateth it, you will die. From that day forth, the Lord has been killing people. It's death. Paul talks about that. Okay? Whereas under the new covenant, it's a covenant which gives life. It makes a life. Number four, it's a ministry of condemnation. How does it condemn you? When you know all the things you should do and you fall short of doing it, you're condemned. You feel condemned. Oh, man, I fell again today. Oh, man, I came short again today. Oh, man, as hard as I tried, mm, I didn't make it. Condemnation. Whereas, in the new covenant, the power of the Spirit in the gospel of grace is a ministration of righteousness. Next one is a covenant written with ink. Under the new covenant, it's a covenant written with the Spirit of the living God. It's a covenant written on stone. And under the dispensation of grace, the new covenant is written on the heart of man. It's a covenant which came with glory. But under the uh, new covenant, it's a covenant which came with greater glory. In the old, it's a covenant whose glory was passing away or fading. Under the new, it's a covenant whose glory continues to shine. Under the old, it's a veiled or covered glory. In the new, it's an unveiled, ever-increasing glory. On the old, it's a covenant that is destined to be done away. On the new, it's a covenant that's destined to last forever. Amen? So which one do you prefer? The one that's fading away and passing away? <laughs> which one do you prefer? Of course, the new. The new. Okay, let's move on. A covenant is like a contract, yet more than a contract. A contract is binding only during the specified time under certain terms are fulfilled, but a covenant is perpetual. The only way to terminate a covenant is through death. That's why during marriage ceremonies, couples exchange vows of living together until death do us part. In biblical days, cutting a covenant usually required the killing of an animal, maybe a ram or a goat, by cutting it into two halves. Next, the partners will face each other from opposing ends, from opposing end of the carcass, and walk towards each other, walking between the two pieces of the animal, passing each other in the center. What all this means is that the parties are obligated to each other to protect and to provide. Of course, the one who benefits is the lesser or the poorer party. Today, God is in covenant with us. Actually, I'm not even sure that that statement is 100% correct, and I'm going to explain that in a minute. It is true that we have a covenant, yes. But Paul, in the book of Galatians, went through great length to say to us that the covenant was actually called with the seed, as in capital S. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3. 
this is a big A. Galatians chapter 3. This is a big, 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 big thing here. Galatians chapter 3. Uh, where is it? Wow. 16, let me see. Yeah, thank you. Where do we start reading? Uh, let's start from verse 15. Galatians 3, 15. Brethren are speaking a man of man. Though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Think about that. Ooh, this is good. Now, to Abraham and his seed, as in capital S, were the promises made. He does not say unto seeds, plural, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. That is powerful. Because in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, when God was speaking to Abraham about, when he started talking to Abraham, he, says, he said to him, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed, be blessed. So there was a sense in which we thought he's talking about the plurality of all Israelites, in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That is true to some degree. But now, Paul helps us to to, to distill that information. He helps us to put it in proper perspective. Let's read that verse 16 one more time, please. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Now, when did God get Abraham and his seed together and make, make them a promise? You will not find that in any scripture. But by inspiration and by revelation, Jesus told Paul, and Paul is telling us. Ah, okay. Now in John chapter 8, you can remember when Jesus said, Abraham saw my date and rejoiced. Do you remember that scripture? When he was talking to the Jews? Exactly. I mean, can you imagine that? Jesus said to them, Abraham, he saw my day. Did Abraham live in the same day as Jesus? No. <laughs> but he says to them, you guys, are, you, you don't know what you're talking about. Abraham, your father, the person that he esteemed, he saw my day and he rejoiced in it. So now Paul said, tells us, now to Abraham and his seed. Oh, man, okay. Let's just hold it there. Let me go to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew 1, 1. Look at what Matthew 1, 1 said. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The son of David, the son of who? Abraham. So Jesus is what? The seed of Abraham. It's right there. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say unto seeds as of many, but as of one. And your seed who is Christ? Verse 17. 
And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ. That he should make the promise of no effect. Oh man, how do I explain this? So Paul is saying to us that the covenant you and I enjoy was actually a covenant or a promise between God and Abraham through the seed of Abraham. Watch this. God, give me the words to explain it. So when was this covenant cut that Paul is referring to? Because obviously from what he said in verse 17, and I say this, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant, which means this covenant came before the law. The law came 430 years later after the covenant that Paul mentioned in Galatians 3.16. Do you see that? I want to make sure you see it before I go on. Because he just said to us, the law cannot annul the covenant that was cut. The, covenant came, the law came 430 years later. So the promise or the covenant that was on the, on the ground already, the law cannot, cannot supersede it. And he just gave us a legal terms earlier. He said even in the manner of man, when you have a covenant, nothing, once it's confirmed, nothing can annul it. It's important you get that. So now let's go back to the covenant when 3.16, actually Galatians 3.16 happened. When did it happen? Genesis 15. Genesis 15. God called a covenant. Genesis 3.16. With Abraham. Let's read it. Genesis 15. Genesis chapter 15. Are you guys tired? Genesis 3.15. I don't want to go into all the elements of all the... Oh, shall I read all of that? 